The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. There are modern paths to Victory Lane. Over the years, my mom really followed my racing, and she was uh, definitely my number one supporter with sim racing. She would get really, really into the broadcasts, and it was you know fun to fun to see the excitement that she had to see her kid going out there and racing. Not necessarily real world, but virtual, but uh, the emotions were just the same. That's former E NASCAR driving champ Michael Conti, who is killing it on the virtual tracks as esports around the globe explodes. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. You are really going to enjoy this conversation with Michael Conti, who comes from humble means. It was just a big deal for him to even get a gaming rig, but he turned out to be a natural. And these days, virtual sports, the things he's part of and killing it at, are turning themselves into entertainment behemoths. So it wasn't that long ago that NASCAR actually got going back on the track, but for a while there, they were stealing the show in the content department as eNASCAR and iRacing had taken over many eyeballs during a pandemic and a shutdown of many of the major sports. For those who have followed the eNASCAR series, though, you'll be familiar with our guest, Michael Conti, who is one of the best drivers in eNASCAR. Hey, Michael, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, well, Bram, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure being here. Um, so take me through the last few months, because I, I can only imagine that the interest level and the awareness of you and the other drivers on this series has changed exponentially Um due to the lack of sports around the world. What have you seen in terms of interest in eNASCAR? Yeah, we've, we've definitely been able to provide, I guess, a supplement, if you will, to real racing while everybody was parked and waiting anxiously at home to get back out on the real track. You know, iRacing has had a platform for over a decade now for sim racing, and people like myself know it and know it very well, but for most out there, they had never really heard of iRacing or the sim racing esports world until all of this happened a few months ago but ever since that has happened our, you know, our our presence has grown tremendously we've got eyeballs on the on the sim and and us as drivers that we've never had on us before and it's it's grown rapidly you know you look at the tv deals with fox airing the weekly races nbc had a special series with kligerman and some other guys that ran at some short tracks which was pretty cool so to see where iRacing has come from, uh, I've been on the service for 10 years now, to see where it started and to see where it's grown to uh, has been absolutely incredible. And unfortunately, the circumstances that have gotten us to this point have been uh, not the best, obviously, with, with COVID really wreaking havoc on everybody and anybody. But on the flip side, it's been a really good opportunity for us to get our, get ourselves out there and grow ourselves and uh you know i'm just i'm happy to be along for the ride um i, I want to get into your career in a bit but i want to start with just some of the tech because you've been doing this a long time 
Um, could you kind of take us through the technology behind being sim in the sim racing world, what it was like a decade ago to what you're working with now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can, I can go back uh, further than a decade too. I actually started sim racing when I was five years old on uh, NASCAR racing 2002, which was pretty much the best simulation game on the market at the time. And when my parents bought it for me on my fifth birthday, I don't really think they knew what they were getting themselves into. I, <laughs> I think it was more so just something to do for fun, something to bond with my dad on and to spend some time on and have fun with. But you know, little did we know that that would be a, a training tool to get me to the point where I'm at today. Um, you know, I, I took a step away from the computer simulations for a few years, went onto the consoles and just you know, had fun there, uh, like most others did at the time. And then I found my way back to iRacing in late 2009 when I heard uh, Dale Jr. talking about it. Uh, and one of the pr practice broadcasts, he, uh, he talked about this new simulation that he and all his buddies would race on and have fun with. And when he mentioned that the makers of NASCAR 2002 were behind iRacing, I immediately knew that it, that it had to be something good, just from what I experienced when I was a little kid. So got back on there. And, and you know, like you said, the technology from 2009 to 2020 you know, the leaps in technology have just been um, something to really see. I mean, not even just graphics-wise, but just physics with the way the cars feel, the way they react, the equipment that we have now with computers and steering wheels and everything that goes into it has just gotten so much better. And I think it's only going to continue to progress at this rate now that there is so much interest in the sim racing world as not only an alternative to the real racing, but also, you know, something that can run parallel to it and, and something that can, can support it as well. Um, in your estimation, because I'm sure you've, you've driven race cars before, um, is the sim as comparable as people describe it as to being literally in a real race car and going around a track? It, it absolutely is. The biggest thing that you miss in the sim it goes without saying it's it's g-forces it's seat of the pants feel you're you're not in the physical car you're not in a 140 degree closed cockpit car you don't have wind rushing past you if you're into the open cockpit uh style of car so you, you don't have that type of sensory input i guess if you will but on the flip side it is it is harder in a way because you don't have that so you don't have the g-forces telling you am i pushing into this corner too hard am i getting loose you don't have the seat of the pants feel to give you feedback on what the car is doing. Everything that you're getting from the sim is through your eyes, through your hands, and through what you're doing, um, you know, behind computer monitors. So in the limited real-world racing experience that I have, I can honestly say that iRacing has prepared me most of the way to just hop in the cars and probably do a lot better in them than I should have, given that I had never driven them before. Legend cars, Bandoleros, um, I drove... A NASCAR-style stock car out in Vegas. It was a Richard Petty driving experience deal with Yahoo. So it, it wasn't a full-blown, legitimate NASCAR cup car, but, I mean, it still was something that resembled it, and I felt at home just getting out there on a track that I had run thousands of laps on through the sim, and I was able to acclimate to it pretty quickly. So, um, you know, for people that are up and coming and trying to get into racing, iRacing provides an alternative that's much less expensive with much less risk as well. And, and that's what I push to folks. You know, if your kids are trying to get into legend cars or bandoleros and you don't necessarily have the money to do that at this point, yeah, I racing, you just, you get into that and you, and you get the experience to help you once you get to those real cars. You said you got into it when you were five. Were your parents racing fans? Is that why they tried to, to get you interested in it? 
they were more so my dad than my mom but over the years my mom really followed my racing and, and she was uh, definitely my number one supporter with sim racing she would get really really into the broadcasts, and it was you know fun to fun to see the excitement that she had to see her kid going out there and racing not necessarily real world but virtual but uh, the emotions were just the same but yeah they were uh, they were racing fans my dad had built cars um, when he was younger he always worked in the automotive industry so he was knowledgeable about cars so I think he wanted to pass that on to me and share his passion about motorsports and cars with me. Um, but, you know, I just, I don't think they ever envisioned their kid you know, growing up to have this part-time kind of full-time yeah. gig where he's in an esports role, driving NASCAR style cup cars, racing for Dale Jr. And doing a lot of the same things the real guys do. Never did we imagine that. Um, but honestly, I'm, I'm very thankful to be where I'm at and, I wish I wish I could do this stuff in real life, but obviously money is a big factor. We never had that growing up. Yeah. So this honestly has been the next best thing. You know, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I guess thinking back then, even when your parents and you probably realized you're actually really good at this and that yeah. this is something that you can follow. I don't know that you see a career in it at that point. Right. I mean, you know, this isn't the real right. raising. This isn't the real prize money. Things have obviously changed, but how did you guys kind of go into, well, he's going to compete in this and he might compete at the highest level, but I'm not even sure what that means financially. Right. Especially when I first started back in 2002, esports was not even an industry at that point. There, there was no League of Legends, Call of Duty, you know, massive multiplayer games were not a thing back in the early 2000s. So never, never did we think that we would progress to this point, but I, I guess it was, when I finally made the World Championship Series in iRacing, which would have been 2012, and competed for $10,000 at the end of that year and finished second in the championship as a rookie, I think at that point, that told everybody, including myself, okay, we've got something here. Obviously, I'm pretty good at this. I'm willing to invest the time to get better and keep up with it. Let's just see where it goes, and let's see if this grows like some of the other massive multiplayer games that we're starting to poke out there in the early 2010s it just kept growing from there and as the years would go on as the years clicked on when I won the championship in 2014 obviously that was another step in my career to you know, solidify myself as a staple in the series and then a couple of years back when we started this draft system and the real drivers got involved with the real teams that's when we knew okay we can really make something out of this now yeah. that's not to say that I could quit my day job and do this full-time support myself Absolutely not. I don't want anybody to think that at this point. We're not there. Uh, but do I think we can get there within the next couple of years? Definitely. The interest is there. Uh, companies are signing on more so than ever because the cost to enter into the sim racing world is obviously much less than it is the real world. So we've got the interest. We've, we've got the businesses that are interested in getting involved. So you know, I, I have hope that I can, I can make this into something more, hopefully sooner than later. Listen, I'm sure you've answered this a million times, but I am curious because you're so good at this and there are others that have gone from sim racing to the real racing. Why aren't you um, performing or competing in the real NASCAR races? Yeah, I guess that's that's, that's a two-part answer. Uh, Like I mentioned before, if you're going to become a a real-world race car driver, most guys start really young, five, six years old and go-karts and bandoleros. 
I didn't have that opportunity because we were a lower middle class family. I had parents that worked you know, two jobs at times among themselves. Um, and we just never really had the finances to support going real world racing. And as you get older and older and older, your window of opportunity diminishes. And you know, I'm sitting here at the very old age of 23 now. Or yeah. fields, and uh, it's like, well, I guess I'm past my prime for real world racing. So I might as well try to make this esports thing, uh, you know, happen. But uh, not even the money deal. Again, it's the investment of time. I, I can easily go home after a day's worth of work and sit behind the computer and put laps in to make myself better and to make my cars faster. But do I necessarily have the time to devote to real world racing, going out to places, testing cars, going to races, the travel, the safety equipment, you know, the mental mindset you need to have to be a good real world race car driver. Do I have the time to do that while trying to pay my bills and support myself and work my full-time job? Yeah. No. So, yeah, I, I didn't get that early start in life like a lot of these guys have. And unfortunately, I've kind of gone down, um, you know, working a lot and I don't really have the time to pursue it. But since I've already invested so much in the sim racing, and I've got my foot in the door and I've got a very solid foundation under me and a great team of guys around me. I can really make more of this than I could real world racing at this point in my life. But obviously other drivers have done that. Um, William Byron, of course, of note has done this. Um, do, do you see a future where, what you're talking about, the the young training to become a real-world NASCAR driver, which used to be a certain way, doesn't have to be that way anymore. Will we see more sim racers transition over into real-life racing? Yeah, I certainly do. And I say that not just because of what I've seen myself throughout racing, but like you said, what we've seen with, with William, uh, what we've seen with some of the other guys that I've raced with on iRacing that have then transitioned into real-world cars. It, it's clear that the learning curve is reduced quite a bit by putting a lot of laps into the sim and learning the tracks and learning characteristics of cars, learning racecraft. And again, I, I can't stress it enough. It's eliminating risk of injury that you could sustain while driving a real car. And it's eliminating risk monetarily too. You are not putting nearly as much money into making practice laps on iRacing as you would by taking a late model or a legend car to a track for a day and running a quarter of the amount of laps. I mean, you can race die racing 24 seven. If you want to race it at three o'clock in the morning, you can, if you want to race, you know, at any point in the day you can, and you can race anywhere you want. So the amount of practice you can, you can have is unlimited. So I definitely think you're going to see it more, but I do think that money is always going to be a limiting factor you can have the best guys in the sim who I believe fully could do well in real life, but if they don't have the financial backing, it's not going to happen. But I'm just hopeful that more and more companies and, uh, you know, businesses will see, okay, let's back these guys in sim racing first. And if we like what they do, if they're good for us and they perform well on and off the track, let's give them a chance. Let's follow them into real life racing and see what they can do. I really hope that's what we see more. Um, listen, I'm of the generation where I still like to watch a race on TV or a football game or a baseball game. And, and you're of a generation that, that was into a much more experienced level of gaming um, than I was. I, I don't know that you probably know the answer to this, but I do wonder in just kind of watching the industry evolve in general, do you think there's a day that esports and and sim racing is actually a bigger content play worldwide than the actual real live racing or real live sports. If that ever does happen, it's, it's a long way down the road. And I hope that it grows 
I hope it grows to that point. I hope that it doesn't detract anything away from the real racing series. What I hope for is I hope sim racing becomes something that generates new fans and then filters them into real life NASCAR and pushes them to watch on TV on Sundays, pushes them to attend races, um, you know, when they can. I hope it funnels some new interest into the sport, which I think we saw a little bit of that with the Pro Invitational Series. I think we saw a different audience watch those races every Sunday on Fox versus what you would typically see with a regular real-world cup race on that same Sunday. Um, and I think some of the Nielsen stuff and some of the ratings did prove that NASCAR grew its its audience in different ways than it ever had before. So it would be very beneficial for me for, for esports and sim racing to just completely blow up and take over the world. That would be great, and I'd be along for the ride. I just hope yeah. that it doesn't detract from the real series. I don't think it will, though, and I think NASCAR is doing a fantastic job drawing the parallels between the series so the new fans can, can kind of see what is the same, what's a little bit different, and then they can make their own decisions on what they decide to watch and when they have the time. Michael Conti is the youngest eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series pole sitter and winner. He won the championship in 2014, and he's only 23 years old. Michael, thank you so much for joining us, and good luck with your career. Hey, thanks, Bram. Appreciate it. On the next Future Sport Podcast. So I think it was a real turning point for me in how taking this seriously can actually really impact outcomes um, and how education can make this kind of scary and and difficult to understand um, injury more visible, more understandable, and um, more easily addressed, especially in young athletes. That's Kate Courtney, one of the best mountain bikers in the world. The Olympian will talk about training in a pandemic, not having the chance to compete this year in the Olympic Games, and a project that will take you through a tour of the brain to discuss how we deal with head injury. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.